0: Well, the Chargers' Crosstown rivals are headed to the Super Bowl, and their big gambles through trades have paid off. Is it time for the Chargers to go all in? You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, And we've been covering the Chargers now for over six seasons. And we're heading into our fifth season as host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Thanks for making us your first listen today. And as always, make sure you never miss a show. Go subscribe to the new Locked On Chargers YouTube channel and follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. But I really like the conversations that came out of the last playoff lesson show that we did. So I wanted to talk about some more things we learned from the playoffs that the Chargers could use for themselves going forward, including seeing the Rams go all in and have it pay off with another Super Bowl trip, second time, you know, over the last few seasons, and also getting into the Chiefs. They are fallible, right? They can be beat. They can bleed. And also we'll get into maybe the 49ers needing a little bit more Brandon Staley getting too conservative in the fourth quarter and the whole Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert conversation with one of them, going to the Super Bowl right now but David we have to start with the Rams because it's obviously the Chargers in town rival and I mean I think that's not really a rivalry it's hard to say at this point they'll play each other next year so you'll actually get to see them go one-on-one but it the whole fight for LA thing it, it's never really seemed like a big battle but there is one thing that you can't deny though and that's a, one of the teams is playing a Super Bowl in their home stadium and that team isn't the Chargers it's Los right. Angeles Rams and one of the things that we've seen from the Rams is the you know willingness to go all in. And it's not the first time they did it this year. They did it in 2018, bringing in guys like Brandon Cooks. They made a bunch of trades, end up getting to the Super Bowl, you know, bringing in Marcus Peters, Aqib Talib, And now this year, they trade for Matthew Stafford. They upgrade over a quarterback in Jared Goff who got them to a Super Bowl, which, I mean, is an easy way to see that upgrade. And they also brought in another player in Vaughn Miller who's played giant dividends in the playoffs. So, it's just crazy to look at and seeing it it's working out, you know. Les Nite is saying, you know, FM picks, getting rid of all his first round picks to contend now and they're in the Super Bowl. So, it's just at this point for the Chargers is that something that Tom Telesco should be looking at and realizing that he should be more aggressive.
1: I think there's no way that if you're Tom Telesco, you can't look at what the Rams have done, the the, the team that plays in the same city as you are and you find them in the Super Bowl while you are at home watching them, in the biggest game, on the biggest stage, in the NFL world. So there's no way that Tom Telesco is sitting there right now and thinking what I've done in my near decade as the Chargers general manager has been enough. You know, he's safeguarded picks. You know, he's been so conservative. He hasn't made any trades. He hasn't done anything outside of his normal routine, which is to draft and develop and to reward their own. That hasn't worked. It's just quite frank. They've been to the playoffs twice in his 10 years as general manager. The formula has not worked. It is time to reevaluate for Tom Telesco and the Chargers. They've had enough coaches. It's not, I don't think it's about the coach anymore, Daniel. It's about the person who's making the personnel decisions.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot that goes into it, right? And I mean, just because you go on doesn't guarantee you a spot in the Super Bowl. And you have to know when to pull the trigger, right? You have to know when is the time to push all your chips to the middle of the table and feel like you're bringing in a piece that pushes you over the top, right? And I'm not necessarily saying the Chargers you know, trade all their first-round picks. The Rams don't have a first-round pick until 2024. So we're not going to know the long-term fallout of this situation. For many years, and maybe they continue to keep, you know, trading away those first round picks. Maybe they never have a first round pick again. It's hard to say at this point. I'm not necessarily advocating for that, but there, I think there is a happy medium. I think I think you even look at the Bengals, who we'll talk about later in the show. Like brought in B J Hill this year, right? We're aggressive. Brought in D J Reader the year before that to really improve that defense, which paid dividends for them. But I think when you look at the Rams, I mean, I just respect less need for just doing it, right? I mean, bringing yeah. in all those guys. And I didn't even talk about, you know, bringing in Jalen Ramsey, like oh, knowing yeah. that, you know, you can send picks away for players who could be big, you know, good players when you select them, but it's not guaranteed. He's trading for players who he knows are already good, like Matthew proven Stafford. Commodities. Yeah, proven commodities, like, you know, the guys they have, Matthew Stafford, proven commodity, Jalen Ramsey, proven commodity. They made a big swing, bringing in Leonard Floyd, right? And got a big season after him, and rewarded him with a contract. So they've been aggressive. Every step of the way, but if you're going to do that, you have to know it does come with ramifications. So I think that's the hard thing, David, because you don't necessarily guarantee yourself. I mean, the 49ers had a dropped interception away from potentially sealing that game, right? So sure. they could have pushed all their chips in and came away empty-handed. They're in the Super Bowl, and we'll see what happens from here. But this is the second trip. You know, made it in 2018 after all the moves, made it now in 2021, going into 2022 with all the moves they made, but. At the same time, David, is it worth sending all those picks away for just a chance to potentially get to the big dance, right? Is it worth damning the future potentially to have just that little sliver of hope to get in that season?
1: I think there's absolutely no question about it at this point in time with this organization, the chargers organization has never won a championship in its history besides the AFL championship, which unfortunately is not recognized. Super yeah. Yes. They have never won a super bowl. So what you've done up to this point has not been enough. You have not been able to put together a good enough team to be able to get to the big dance and win the big dance. So the formula you've just, that you have deployed has not worked. And you are in a prime position with a superstar, megastar quarterback on a rookie cost-controlled contract where you have several other important pieces that are already locked up. If there's not any other time to push all the chips into the middle and say it's time to go put everything into this opportunity to get to a Super Bowl and to give yourself a chance to at least end one of the worst sports droughts in all of sports, you have yep. to do it. It's time. It's time for the Chargers to go out and do everything that they need to do to win. Not, not, no. Just go to a Super Bowl and give your chance, give yourself a chance to win a championship.
0: And that's what's tough because I mean, I don't think there's a single player out there right now that makes the Chargers a Super Bowl, you know, favorite to go to the Super Bowl. And, and the Rams weren't necessarily considered that either, right? There was the right. Packers in their division. The Buccaneers in their division, they didn't know you know, that those teams weren't going to be able to beat them. I mean, they were just putting together the best team possible to try to take a chance during their window. They
1: took the swings, Daniel. That was the biggest and most important thing is that they knew that there was an opportunity to fail, but they at least went out there and took a chance. You miss a hundred percent of the (laughs) swings you did not take. So the Chargers need to go out there and swing some more.
0: Yeah, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yes, uh, thank you. Wayne Gretzky slash David Droegemeier. That's it. uh, Yeah, I mean, it it, it looks good right now because they're in it. You know what I mean? There's plenty of teams that have made big trades and had them backfire, and it didn't work out, too. So, like, obviously, we're talking about the team that's next door, and I think that's the only thing, too, that you have to kind of hope that having it be that crosstown rival really lights the fire under Tom Tolesco, you know, and the front office and the, you know, upper management to be like, we need to go more in than we are right now. And maybe it's not trading every first round pick to 2024, but maybe it is using some of those things. Because it's a catch twenty two for Tom Tolesco, yeah. David, because yeah you start trading first round picks, that's the only pick you've been, you know, anywhere consistent with as far right. as you know, bringing in impact players for your team. I mean, that's for right. Sean Slater and Herbert and Bosa and Derwin mm-hmm. James, right? Mm-hmm. And Mike Williams, all those guys, the best talent you have are your draft picks that you have. So maybe not the first round picks. Try to trade everything else first. Uh, but yeah, hopefully just seeing that, you know, and not that I think it's, you know, trying to fight for LA, but it's right. not a good look when you're the second best team in the city that you play for, right? So I think with Justin Herbert and having already missed the playoffs with two years of Justin Herbert, knowing he's elite, I yeah. mean, that should definitely be you know kicking it into high gear for a guy who does have only two playoff you know appearances in his nine seasons heading into his 10th year. But the other nice thing, too, is that, you know, if you do push the chips and the Kansas City Chiefs are beatable, right? So it's, we're going to talk about that, how the Giant has fallen in the AFC and is not headed back to the Super Bowl. And also some of the things that Cincinnati did to make it happen towards the end of that game and just dismantling the Chiefs in the second half coming up. After this, before getting into at the end of the show, Joe Her- Joe Burrow versus Justin Herbert, and also you know Kyle Shanahan needing a little bit more of the the Brandon Staley balls on him, I guess uh, for lack of a better term. But first, I need to tell you guys that there might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more stuff to bet on this playoff season, from scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022, and. I mean, the Super Bowl is coming up as well, guys. So if you want to go to the place where you're going to find the most player props, the most ridiculous things to bet on, the funnest things to bet on, betonline.net is where you have to go. And it's not just football. Betonline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, UFC odds, and coverage is the best in the business from sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. BetOnline is your number one spot for all we- for all the wagering you guys are going to be doing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and to play your favorite games. BetOnline.net. Where the game starts. All right, David. Well, we talked about our playoff lessons from you know the Crosstown Rams, but we didn't talk about the fact that the Chiefs lost, right? And that's always nice just to see your rival, you know, fall. And it was kind of, I think, bittersweet for some charge fans because I know the Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, you know, thing. You don't want to necessarily see Joe Burrow win a Super Bowl before Justin Herbert, which we'll get to in the next segment, but. You can never root for the Chiefs to make it to another Super Bowl. I mean, that just would be ridiculous. It's your division rival. It was nice to see them fall.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) yeah, we'll get into the conversation about Burrow and, and Herbert later. But the last thing that I want to see is any other AFC West team getting into the playoffs and then eventually getting to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. And we've already had to uh, endure that with the Chiefs' success with Patrick Mahomes. So I think this is just a, a nice reality that, you know, you already know that you've beaten and are capable of beating the Chiefs in the regular season. And the Chiefs are not invincible and they can be beaten in the playoffs as well. And of course, you know, if you want to get where they are and get where they have been, then you need to go through them. They are obviously still the biggest threat in the division, so you have to be able to go through them, and now you have tangible evidence and proof that not only can you do it, but it can be done in the playoffs as well.
0: Well, and going into next season, they're still going to be the prohibitive favorites, I think, in the AFC because, I mean, you know, even with Buffalo right there, even with Cincinnati beating them twice this season, twice this season. Yeah, They're still going to have Patrick Mahomes. They're still going to be around. They're still going to be the best team in the AFC West until proven otherwise, right? And that's why it's nice to see. I mean, I don't think that the Bengals laid a blueprint to beat the Chiefs, but they're obviously doing a lot of things right when they allowed three points in the second half of the first game in the regular season that led to the Bengals win. And they only gave up three points in the second half and overtime in a playoff game against Patrick Mahomes. So it wasn't just watching the Chiefs lose. The crazy thing, it was like the chief straight up pooped the bed. Like, it wasn't just like a you know, the Bengals went well, in time after to having
1: a commanding lead too. like yeah. in the first half, they were dominant, like it, everything that they did it, you know, it's like the Midas touch, everything they touched turned to gold. They, they scored on pretty much every one of their possessions until the very end. And I think we've seen how many times, at least for the chargers, how, how many times those end of half operations have come back to bite them. We kind of saw that in this game too. And then that just that little bit of momentum that started to change. And then after that, you know, the you got to give the Bengals a lot of credit for making the necessary adjustments, Daniel, to be able to actually put themselves in position to come back and win this football game.
0: Yeah, well, and they reminded me a lot of the first game against the Chiefs for the Chargers, right, where they end up winning. I mean, the Chiefs did get hot in the second half and, you know, I think scored four straight possessions, 28 straight points. But at the same time, the Chargers made the plays towards the end of the game and at the end of the halves, right, And that's where this game kind of started to get out of hand for the Chiefs where they couldn't put it away against the Bengals at the end of the first half when you have, you know, Patrick Mahomes not knowing the situation and trying to call a timeout that they don't have with five seconds left when you start the play, not throwing that ball into the end zone, right? Yeah. We saw Patrick Mahomes mishandle some situations towards the end of the game. And I think, you know, that was the other encouraging thing too, just because I mean, the Bengals showed some ways to confuse Mahomes. I mean, what they did is in the first half, a lot of cover to right. There wasn't they weren't mixing a ton of things up. Then the second half comes along, and it's double-teaming Tyreek Hill. You're mixing yeah. up the looks. You're disguising the coverages. I mean, they had safeties running up and down before, you know, the snap happened, and, like, that extra second started letting the pass rush get home, and that's the one thing, too, is, like, the Bills, as good as their defense was, they didn't have a ferocious pass rush. We saw what that did in the second half for the Bengals because were, the five straight possessions this is what the Kansas City Chiefs did. Punt, punt, interception, punt, punt. That's one of the a best offenses that we've ever seen, you know, yeah, doing full, five straight possessions coming up empty in the last two times when they really needed to kind of put their foot back on the gas. A sack ended each of those drives on third down. So sacks and turnovers, David, the Bengals did a good job of disguising to set the you know mistakes up by Patrick Mahomes. But it was those things that eventually ended up stalling the Chiefs long enough for the Bengals to get back in the game and eventually win.
1: Well, and that's something that we saw that uh, Justin Herbert himself had a lot of trouble with, you know, when, you know, other teams were able to execute it the right way, you know, when they were able to change that sight picture, you know, and change that kind of that movie, as Brandon Staley likes to say, you know, show them, show them one thing, and then it's completely different after the snap. Like that's something, you know, you're, you're just making those quarterbacks have to process that much quicker. And obviously, you know, sometimes you're not going to be able to do that. So, you know, it allows that, them to cover a little bit longer, allows that pass rush to get there a little bit more effectively. And, you know, the biggest thing for me is that they were able to n- know and recognize that they needed to make adjustments and they were able to make those adjustments at halftime when they saw what they were trying to do in the first half wasn't working they put those into motion they implemented them and they were able to execute them and those in-game adjustments are what allowed the Bengals to come back and put themselves in position to win the game and then obviously you know we saw what happened in overtime when uh you know, obviously the Chiefs won the toss and they thought it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win the football game.
0: Yeah. And I think that's the other big takeaway is just like defense is still important. Like as much as last week, it looked like, you know, with the Bills Chiefs game, it's like, well, sh- how good does your defense have to be like the Bills yeah. had the number one defense, number one pass defense, all those things. They still got shredded even before the field goal drive. They would given up, you know, 33 points or whatever it was. So like they could, they shredded the best defense in the week. But you have to come up with those few plays and the yeah. charge had that they intercepted Patrick Mahomes at the end of that game. in the first go around when the charge ended up winning that one, you know, like they had guys, you know, getting in for sacks, Joey Bosa causing pressure that led to mistakes. And I think it was just nice to see that. It's like, Hey, some defenses, if you do it right, can slow the chiefs down. And like, yeah. I don't think I saw as much disguising and things like that from brand Staley as I thought this year. And I think a lot of that yeah, has to same. do with just the guys he had back there. I mean, you tell he, you know, Talked about so much, just not having those defensive backs, all the same guys back there, and you know what that kind of hurt with the offer or the defense for the Chargers. But at the same time, like you want to see more of that because obviously it can slow yeah. them down. You hold the Chiefs to that many points in the game, and then at the end of the game, you know everyone's screaming about the rules, you know, and the coin toss is going to mean so much. And you know the Chiefs are saying they're going to win and celebrate, and that whole stadium celebrated as if they won when they got that coin toss, right? They but sure did. The Bengals stymied him. I mean, even before the interception, the Bengals were giving up nothing on that drive. I mean, they just were not going to give up.
1: Like it was it was clear. I mean, it was very clear they had the momentum on their side. And you know, when I think you just need
0: enough defensive playmakers, right, to get a few of those plays. Like you're not gonna ever totally stop them, right? But if you keep loading up with the defensive talent and you keep adding to that group, like if you just get those three or four plays a game in a playoff game in a one game stable, that can get you the win. Well, especially against that team where you know how important coverage and yeah. getting after the
1: quarterback is. I mean, you know that they're not going to run the football that much. They're only going to really do do it to try to mix it up and try to, you know, try to be a little bit less predictable, but you know they want to throw the ball. You know that's the their whole, you know, modus operandi. That's what they're trying to do. That's the most effective weapon for them. So If you can get a couple more guys that can come in and really shut down another, you know, one of their players, even if that is McCole Hardman, you're taking away one of their speed demons and taking away one of their outlets. I mean, that's, you know, that's going to help you beat the Chiefs. So it is nice to know that, you know, this team, they can be beaten uh, and especially in in the biggest moments, Uh, you know, on the biggest stage where, you know, a trip to the Super Bowl is on the line. You know, they are prone to making mistakes and they can be beaten.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the Bengals also did a lot of things that a lot of teams have trying, right? They double teamed Tyreek Hill and didn't let him go off. I mean, Tyreek Hill, if he's, yeah. you know, seven for 76, if you're holding him around 10 yards per reception, you're doing something very right. And he had, right. you know, some three yard passes that he turned into first downs, right? And the Bengals are yeah, willing I mean, to win. He's going to do that. The dude's ridiculous. 100%. But at le- if
1: you can at least limit him as much as possible and not let him take over the football game, then you give yourself a chance.
0: Boy, and I mean the, the Bengals at some of those points were getting pressure with three dudes, you know, yeah. double team Tyreek Hill, double team Travis Kelsey, talent Main on demand. the defensive line. Yeah, I mean, and and they were able to do it, but Chargers don't have the horses for that right now to run that. I mean, he would just be sitting back there all day. Yeah, and there were plenty of times where he got out of the pocket and it didn't get home, and he made plays with his legs, and, you know, and he created and things like that too. But for the most part, they kept him in the pocket. They didn't give a lot of those giant plays up where he's out, you know, creating off script. And they just really, you know, didn't get there all the time. But when they did get there, it was in the important moments. And then they made the big plays down the stretch to go beat the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl, right? And that's all you're hoping for is to be in that game and to have enough players to make just a couple of plays to get you to the next round. And that's what it takes in the playoffs. And one thing you learn, too, is it takes a lot more than just having a really good quarterback. You're going to need some help from your defense and special teams if you ask the Packers as well. But Joe Burrow didn't have to do it by himself, yet – with him being in the same draft class as Justin Herbert, the two are always going to be compared and Kyle Shanahan might be a lot of things, but he doesn't have the cojones of Brandon Staley. And we're going to get into that coming up after this, but I do need to tell you guys, my, my friends over at RockAuto.com, because this bro- episode is brought to you by rock auto. And with the ever increasing number of makes and miles, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to hold all of the parts that you need for your car. So why endure the often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning is your odyssey and LX, or an EX. I mean, I don't know, but you don't have to wait while the person behind the counter looks at the parts on their computer just to give you parts that are coming from the manufacturer that they want to come from, right, in the warehouse that they want to sell it to you from. Go to the biggest inventory that you're going to find at rockauto.com, and most importantly, get the best prices. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts at a chain store when you can go to rockauto.com and find all the parts that you need. And that's one thing I love about Rock Auto is just Everything is so easy. I'm not a car guy, right? I mean, I have a stepdad who's a mechanic. It's a blessing, and I got the okay from him to keep using rockauto.com because they have the best prices available, and I was able to find them, more importantly, on their easy-to-use website. A few easy clicks. I found the exact part that I needed, double-checked the price, got it for a great price, and had it to my house quickly, but that's what I love about Rock Auto. You can support a family-owned business and also get the best price. And have it be convenient, too. Because when you're dealing with car trouble, the last thing you want is an extra headache to have to worry about. But all you guys have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck. And make sure to write locked on in there, how did you hear about his box, so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. All right, David. Well, now it's time to wrap the show up here by talking about the other two teams we haven't gone into as much the Bengals and the 49ers. And I did literally take, you know, something away from all of these games. But one of the reasons why it was tough to watch the Bengals go to the Super Bowl, I think for a lot of Chargers fans, is like the debate is always Justin Herbert versus Joe Burrow, right? Which is tough for me because, like, I think both are great, you know, like, and, and the other thing is, too, is just. The Chargers didn't have a chance at Joe Burrow, realistically, you know? Yeah. So I think that's the kind of the tough part because it's like, yeah, I mean, both guys are great. They're always going to be compared. Even with Joe Burrow going to, you know, the Super Bowl this year, I mean, the book is far from finished as far as which one of these dudes is going to be the better quarterback. one. Exactly. But at the same time, David, I mean, it is always a thing. It's always going to be a thing on social media. They're always going to, you know, compare the two. And one of them in Joe Burrow is in the Super Bowl, and Justin Herbert didn't make the playoffs.
1: yeah, but I have a little news flash for my you know my people out there that are so hung up on this burrow versus Justin Herbert thing. These guys play one position on the football field. okay? Yes, is it the most important position? Obviously, but they don't play one on one. This isn't MMA. This isn't UFC. They're not fighting each other. They are playing on teams. It's their offense versus the opposing defense. So I don't understand this whole Burrow versus Herbert conversation. It's completely synthetic to me. It means nothing. I think we should both just appreciate the fact that we have two extremely talented young quarterbacks that are at the beginning of their careers that are going to be able to go out there and provide incredible play for the next decade plus. The AFC is in great hands with the young quarterbacks that are on display. The NFC really needs to catch up. There is a lot of very just mediocre quarterbacks in that conference. So A lot of old but,
0: quarterbacks for sure. Yeah, some.
1: exactly. But the AFC is in bright hands and at the forefront of that of course is Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert.
0: I know. It's crazy to think that you know last year the NFC was Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, you know, duking it out. For a Super Bowl bid, but I mean, obviously, coming from you, right there, like that could seem like sour grapes, right? Like, of course, like when Joe Burrow is in the in the Super Bowl, all I'm saying is like coming. It's hard to say, you know, take that from a Charger show. Like, of course, yeah, with Joe Burrow in there, it's 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 not a t- you know quarterback stat wins are right. Yeah and, yeah, and I mean, but like I'm saying though, is that of course it seems like we would say that now because it's like, what else are you gonna say? One dude's in, in the Super Bowl and one dude is you know sitting on his couch watching the playoffs, right? But I think the thing is, is you look back to last year when it was Tua versus Herbert, because that was the yeah. original conversation, right? Right. All the Dolphin fans wanted to bring up Joe Justin Herbert's record, right? That was the big thing. Like, well, look at how many wins Tua has, right? And then look at how many wins Justin Herbert has. But I think when it comes down to things, I think the Bengals just get a ton of credit because I'm happy for Bengals fans, as you know. Yeah. Chargers That's fans are a long-suffering fan base, right? Absolutely, they, they don't get to have the nice things. They don't have the Super Bowl championships of 50 years ago to fall back on and talk trash to Raider fans, right? <laughs> they don't have those things, but you can understand seeing another fan base like the Bengals, right? Who've never yeah. won a Super Bowl either, got smoked by the 49ers, kind of like the Chargers did in the Super Bowls that they have gone to, right? Yeah, But at the same time, like they just deserve a ton of credit because they made the right moves in free agency, right? They found a coach that could get them there. I still remember, I mean, I feel like we have to talk a little trash to the locked on bangles podcast because I remember last year when they were trying to tell me that Zach Taylor was a worse coach than Anthony Lynn was. So that was a, a a fun conversation to have. But um going back to it though, it's just like the Bengals deserve a lot as an organization. Just, you know, they made the Joe Burrow pick, they made the unpopular pick for Jamar Chase when everyone thought they should take an offensive lineman. He got sacked nine times in a playoff game that he won, right? So, like, I think more than anything, like, the Bengals just as an organization, like, that's what the Chargers need to do. Build a defense you can rely on in games like that where you need them. Games like the Tennessee game where you need your defense and you're winning with field goals. Have a kicker that's made 10 or 11 straight, you know, field goals in the playoffs as a rookie. Like, I think it's more just about the construction of that team and how quickly they went from a – four-win team last year, the worst record in the league the year before, that's something I think the Chargers can take from.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you look at two different teams you know, that did kind of similar things, but they did it just a little bit differently. The Bengals went out in, in free agency and they added some pieces. The Rams on the other side in the other conference, they went out and they made trades to add to their roster. So it's just at least you know the Bengals were aggressive in, in, in building their roster and trying to put those pieces around – Joe Burrow to make him be successful. I mean, Jamar Chase. That was a very polarizing pick. I remember in the moment saying, "Why are they taking a wide receiver when their quarterback got annihilated and was hurt last year because of it?" But obviously, the Bengals are the ones that are having the last laugh because they're in the Super Bowl, and you know they they uh, they did what they had to do, but they were aggressive in trying to add pieces to put themselves in this position they have a strong defensive line they have an okay offensive line they have great weapons and they have a decent you know they have decent a decent coaching staff so you know they they made the moves that they had to to get to the super bowl that's what the chargers need to do just be more aggressive in your own way
0: Yeah, and I mean, Joe Burrow has had some special moments, too. But, like, I mean, he's – yeah, it's not like he's been, you know, all-time great during these playoffs. I mean, he has one game with more than 250 passing yards, right? So, like, the other thing you're learning, too, is even Joe Burrow can't do it by himself. Even Patrick Mahomes can't do it by himself, right? But at least, you know, it wasn't taken out of their hands. Like, it was for the 49ers in that game and Jimmy G, which, you know, at least the Chargers have something they feel good about putting into their hands, like a Justin Herbert and you are not, you know – trying to build just the best roster of all time and to try to win with Jimmy G right. like the 49ers are trying to do. At least you have the quarterback situation figured out. You're not in the quarterback purgatory that a lot of teams find themselves in with really good defenses and, you know, missing that one piece Chargers have to get a lot better defensively. But one thing that has stood out to me a lot during these playoffs, David, is just times when I see guys on the field and I'm just like, Brand Staley would have went for that. You know, oh, yeah. like so many situations where I'm like, Bran Staley goes for that hundred percent and, the 49ers are probably going to be kicking themselves because they didn't go for it in a situation. The 49ers had three opportunities where they're on the plus side of the field in Rams territory where they did not go for it, and they ended up losing, right? They ended up losing the game. But some of them are understandable. Fourth and six, 326 left in the first quarter at 0-0. You end up punting. Did it help you? No. The Rams go on a 97-yard touchdown drive. Fourth and nine, third quarter, 1049 left. They're up 10-7. to The 49ers punt. From the Rams, 42, and the Rams ended up turning it over on down. So it didn't end up hurting them there. Understandable. This is the egregious one. Fourth and two, 9.55 left in the fourth quarter. 17-14, you're up with a chance to potentially go, you know, get a dagger touchdown. Put the game a little bit more out of reach. The 49ers punt from the Rams, 45-yard line. They even take a penalty, right? Tried to get a draw on sides, didn't go for it. The Rams tie the game on the next drive with the field goal. And the crazy thing is, David... The 49ers never made it past their own 25 yard line, and that was from a touchback. They had two touchbacks on the last two drives of the game, where they really needed offense. Right? They waited too long. They got too conservative, and on those last two drives, they went backwards. They never made it past their own 25 yard line again. And I think that's one thing Chargers fans can take solace in. It's like at least Brandon Steele right there is going for the win.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, you know that that's the process. That's his process that he is going to adhere to. He's going to, when he's in those situations, he's going to entrust his quarterback and his best players to go out there and make the play to be able to keep the game moving and keep control of the ball game. I mean – If they go for it on that fourth down and they make it, you know, they can put that ball game conceivably put that ball game away in that moment. So I think you like the process that Brandon Staley has brought to the table. and, And in those situations, you would much rather them at least go for it and put themselves in a better position to win the game than to be passive and to punt the football away. We've seen that many, many times in the past it hasn't worked out for the Chargers a lot of the time. So at least, you know, the Chargers have that aggressive nature down. I still, still think that, you know, Brandon Staley still needs to get some of those lieutenants and generals in his fields, in his defense, and his offense to be able to go out there and orchestrate the type of defense and the type of football that he ultimately wants to show. And he wants to play on Sundays. But I think this off season is going to do a lot in, you know, putting those plans into motion.
0: Yeah, pushing them further towards those goals. And you wonder, like, hey, is Brandon Staley going to, you know, still want to go for all these fourth hands when he actually trusts his defense to get a stop, you know? Because like this, this year, I mean, there's a lot of them. It's like, well, he's going for it. But it's like, can you blame him? Because you don't really expect the defense to get a stop. <laughs> so it's like, right. yeah, maybe just go for it and just put up as many points as possible. But I've always loved that he did that, you know, even when people were ripping Brandon Staley that last game. I mean, we stayed pretty consistent with our takes on all year. Yeah, there may be one here or there that we disagree with. Play calls that we disagree with, but at least you know you're not the one that sat and waited and watched the game slip through your fingers, watch the ball slip through the hands of Tart's fingers. Right? You literally didn't go for it, and you watched the game actually fall through a man's fingers. Like, doesn't get any more poetic than that. And at least that's something the Chargers won't have to worry about. But one of the things that's going to, you know, go a long way towards what this team looks like next year is just. Which of their internal free agents the Chargers decide to end up staying, you know, or end up being able to keep? And that's going to form, the, you know, a big part of the nucleus going forward for the Chargers. So that is something we'll get into as well next, you know, maybe on the next show, maybe tomorrow is just a stay or go. Which guys, you know, kind of giving our thoughts on if we think guys are going to stay, if we want them to stay, or if they're going to go. Because there's a lot of guys to choose from and a lot of big decisions for the Chargers on the horizon. But we'll also be getting into some fan mail Friday again this week. We'll put out some posts this week. If you want to get your voicemails in for that show, the number is 323-524-7924. We want to know what you guys want to talk about. And the shorter and more concise your questions are, the more likely they are to get on the show. We'll also put some shows, you know, posts out on Twitter to get on the Friday show. We're at LockedOnLAC on Twitter, where you guys can get your questions in. You can tag us anytime on there. Or you can hit a me or in David on Twitter as well. You can find me on Twitter at Dan talk Sports and David Drogmeyer on Twitter at sd. But it was fun watching the playoffs, David, this year to learn, you know, see all the things kind of the Chargers could take away from it as they move forward into a window where they better be making the playoffs every single season. But we'll see you guys tomorrow. Until then, make sure to go check out our new at Locked On Chargers Instagram page and check out our Locked On Chargers Facebook page as well. But you guys take it easy until tomorrow. Until then, take it easy again and go bolts.